Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Hey guys, Omar Khan here with Beta Trading Co. I wanted to tell you about episode 124 of the Breakthrough Podcast. We currently have a special offer for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. We're offering a free one-hour live training session where we show how to instantly add stock options as a new income stream. Now, I've used this myself personally over the years to create a sizable real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason you can't as well. The cool thing is it only takes about 30 minutes a day, so if you have a job, or if you have a business, or you're just spending a lot of time with your family, you're going to have time to incorporate this in your life if you take the time to learn this, okay? Now... We're also offering a 15-minute free consultation to discuss how our option strategy can work with your current investment strategy and really take your investment to the next level, okay? So for more information, check out 30minutesstocktrader.com forward slash breakthrough to join us on our free live training, our next webinar. Remember again, episode 124, where Sandy and I go over exactly how I use this strategy to acquire a large real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason why you can't as well. See you there, guys. Talk soon. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us again today. Sandy, how's it going? Man, it's going great. Fantastic. Can I complain? How about you? Excellent. Absolutely excellent. Nothing to complain about either. Wow. Show's over. <laughs> Everything's good with us. So that's all people need to know. Um, yeah. Well, what do you got going on? Anything exciting happening? Uh, exciting. We're, we're, we're renovating our, our personal house, our, our new personal house. So that's, that's the most exciting thing probably and stressful thing in life right now for us with, uh, all the material stuff and everything, shortages, all that fun. So yeah, that's, uh, that's fine. It's a little different when it's your own home versus investment properties. Like we've done a million times, but you know, you're trying to, trying to get in there and live and, you know, get your life back to normal. So it's fun. You guys should uh, maybe get a, a camper trailer or something for a few weeks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's not moving countries like you have recently. So it's, it's all good. Can't, can't complain too yeah. much about it. 
my stuff should be here soon. So that's pretty exciting. Nice. We got a nice backdrop there that uh, if people would join us live and watch watch the show, we could uh, we could show them. Nice yeah, pool. it's a uh, concrete wall and a couple of trees. Yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> no, it's nice here though. What's the weather been like there? I've heard it's uh, not so great. It's beautiful today. Is it okay? Awesome. We've had a awesome. lot of rain. We've had a lot of rain. I think this summer. So uh, you know, it's good. Can't complain. It's probably hotter where you are. Uh, everyone who's listening should definitely go over to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. There they can listen to, download, share, and join in on all the uh, episodes that we have recorded so far. Um, they can also get in touch with any guests that we've had, and they can also get on our mailing list and get our free gift. Right, Sandy? Yeah, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. And uh, when you sign up for our list there, you'll get that. You'll get uh, access to all of our all of our shows as they come out. So you never miss a beat. You'll get an an update when, when we air them and then you'll uh, hear about everything else we got going on. Any webinars, seminars, et cetera, that we, uh, that we put on that, um, that we're excited to bring you. So join us there and don't miss out. I just wanted to ask you, Sandy, what kind of webinars and, and stuff are you guys doing right now? Like, do you have anything going on? We've only been doing, we've been doing some shows around um, the birth strategy, a little deeper dive on that, that we, we sometimes blast out to our, uh, our podcast listeners um, in, in forms of just uh, emails to update them. And um, we haven't done them much here. It's, you know, summer, we're kind of taking a breather, but I think we're going to get back to doing some live stuff in the fall, winter, as we uh, get into, into some live, live things again in person. So We'll update people as we go, but nothing big to report there yet. Yeah, we're just doing every couple of weeks. We're doing our, um, our, uh, our basically our property tours, but virtually, right? So we're yeah. still doing those, and we're doing our video walkthroughs and showing the, the value um, and what to look for, what not to look, uh, what to avoid in uh, in duplexes and student rental properties. So we're still doing that every couple of weeks. So people who join in and sign up will get all those notices. So you should um, also a recommendation is we should we should start to see some property tours virtually, Costa Rica property tours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on that. I've done a property of the week so far here. We've got a, a good value add one that I sent out a little while ago. So um, anyone on the list should be able to check that out. Anyone interested, reach out to me. Let me know uh, and I can definitely get you some info. Um, and go over to iTunes, guys. Leave us a rating and review. You guys know it helps us out. It helps us get the show out there to people. And, and um, you know, more people looking for this kind of education will be able to find it. So please go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. So, Sandy, we got a great guest for today. Absolutely. We've got Brian Bouchard standing by, waiting here patiently. And I'm super excited to bring you on here, Brian. Welcome to the show. Thank you both. It's a pleasure to be on here. Um, yeah, welcome, Brian. I, Thanks for taking the time. No worries. I've actually been a listener of this no, of this show for a long time, back uh, starting from the early days. I mean, I was just thinking about like, I wonder how long you guys been running this show. It must have been must be over five years at this point. Seven and a half, seven and a half years. I think it's the longest running. Well, it is the longest running Canadian real estate investing podcast um, that I know of. And, yeah. uh, and so I think that's our claim to fame. Now we were, we were the top one. I think, I think we're probably still top or up there at least. I don't know exactly how everyone ranks themselves these days, but we're definitely the longest running. Definitely I believe longest that. Running. Cause like when I was looking for, 
you know, education back then, probably seven years ago, there wasn't much out there. So then that's mm-hmm. how I came across this. And I remember like the early episodes of you guys just launching this. <laughs> super cool. Super cool. So good old days. For everyone, anyone who doesn't know Brian, Brian began as a, a multi-unit investor uh, in 2009, age 22, and used his skills to become a millionaire by age 30. And he continues to expand his real estate portfolio, bringing others into, into his deals with investment partners and, and so on. And he offers completely hands-off investment opportunities as well with that. And he also works as a personal finance coach, helping Canadians improve their money game by focusing on cash flow management, financial education, investment strategies, and transforming clients' habits into those that are used by the most wealthy. So super awesome stuff there. We're, uh, we're pumped to have you again. Welcome. And um, let's ask him some questions. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, th- again, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, let's start out like we always do. Just tell us a bit about how you got started back in 2009. Maybe why as well. Yeah. Um, not a unique type of story with the, uh, the Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is what changed everything for me. And that was at like age 21. And then the way that I got started in real estate <clears throat> was through house hacking in Ajax. I grew up in, in the Durham area and my first property was um, a duplex out there. I did the 5% down to, to get in as early as possible and to rent out portion of the home. And then from there um, in 2009, or sorry, 2010, bought my second property, which was like a joint venture deal on a lease to own. So I got some experience on a lease to own deal in 2010, partnered with my brother on that one. And then my third property followed shortly after that, which I used as my primary residence and rented out the duplex that I bought uh, in 2009. And then 2011 was an interesting point in my investing career as I left my job, what I was doing full time in the, in the construction field was not, I was not passionate about it. wasn't enjoying it. I loved real estate. I loved, uh, I had my hands in a few different things at that point. I got my mortgage license and then I was also playing a lot of poker and I went from recreational to full time. So I quit my job to do mortgages and play poker. And at that time, I was trying to juggle the two of them. I was 24 and uh, I was trying to grow the mortgage business and I had a hard time doing that. I remember like literally door knocking and cold calling and sending out flyers, trying to get mortgage business and have conversations with homeowners. And uh, it wasn't going that well. And on, on the poker side, that was taking a lot more of my time and my energy, ended up shifting completely in that direction and going away from mortgages. And what that did to my investing career, of course, because poker is a cash business, is that I couldn't get loans and I couldn't get mortgages. I couldn't refinance. Uh, I played poker full-time for three years. So my investing career was at a standstill for those three years and I couldn't expand uh, until ultimately going back to the workforce and getting some T4 income again and uh, being able to ramp up my portfolio again starting in 2014. And again, I used the house hacking strategy two more times just to kind of leverage my capital and take advantage of like the low expenses and being able to to leverage. And um, from there, I just kind of expanded into into larger multifamily. I got my my first fourplex. I got into the short term Airbnb properties, which is actually how, uh, you know, Sandy and I connected a couple of years ago on the Airbnb. We'll talk about that. 
And then into more recent years, like getting into like larger burr projects, mixed use commercial, forming a corporation and getting into some larger real estate and, and better strategies. And that kind of takes me to where I am today, combined with doing more joint venture deals, bringing other investors into these deals that I'm getting into and coaching people along the way, helping them start and go through those same challenges and obstacles that I went through during that 10, 12 year phase. Awesome. And, and, and what sort of strategy? So now, now you're, are you focused on any specific strategy now or, or how has that you know, changed over the years? You mentioned a few different strategies you've been involved in. Is there, is there like one that you stick to now or is it kind of still bit, a little bit of scattered around in different areas? Yeah, the basis of it is still multifamily. Um, I've, I've tried to keep as many properties as possible. I'm not really, you know, a flipper. I didn't get into that. I try to keep everything that I buy. That said, um, at this point, I've, I've sold off a couple of my weakest performing properties, just like the early duplexes that have just skyrocketed in value and the rents have not kept up. So those ones, I'm just rolling that capital into like larger burr projects. So like I do like the idea of recycling capital quicker, getting it back out to reinvest. Uh, but I do like multiple strategies. Like I'm in more of like the pre-construction and development side now, just because that provides like some turnkey hands-off type of investing because the multifamily and the coaching and I'm a mortgage agent as well, just kind of juggling all those businesses together takes a lot of my time. So I want some of my portfolio at least to be in like a hands-off turnkey type of situation. So uh, I've gotten into the pre-construction in Alberta as well. I just picked up a couple of townhouses out there this week. So, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, I'm still in multiple strategies. Um, I go wherever the deals are. I'm investing in several different markets within Southern Ontario still, with the primary focus being multifamily. Very cool. Okay. So you mentioned um, uh, a few minutes ago about you know, income and financing being sort of one of the roadblocks that you ran into at a certain time. What are some of the other ones? Um, some of the other ones, I mean, lack of capital, of course, is something that everybody runs into. You want to ex expand your portfolio and get into as many deals as, as you can, but you don't have enough capital to do that. So that's, that's a common obstacle. And uh, I guess the solution to that on my end after I had the experience and the knowledge doing these deals was to bring in investment partners who wanted to be hands off and wanted to get into real estate as an investor, but didn't have the experience or the confidence or the time to manage these properties. So that's where we can form a partnership and create a win-win situation where I can leverage my experience and put systems in place to buy these properties and manage them, whereas the cash partner can just invest the capital and, and get the solid gains of real estate multifamily without the day-to-day -day activities. So that's like kind of how I overcame the, the capital side of things. But yeah, I've been on the financing. That's another common issue that people run into is hitting a roadblock of financing. And there could be many reasons for that. Um, commonly, if you're only investing in in single family, non-cash flowing real estate projects, those those properties will hinder your mortgage application because of the formula that the, the lenders use. So you can hit that roadblock a lot sooner by having like um, a different portfolio from someone who might be outside of the GTA in multifamily, whereas those families can act, or those properties can actually 
help your application. So the financing is a roadblock, um, capital is a roadblock, and then the third one would be, I didn't have a lot of guidance in the beginning. Like I did everything on my own, reading a lot of books, listening to the podcasts and watching videos, things like that, and then just kind of learning on my own and gaining the experience as I was expanding my portfolio, as opposed to having a mentor or a coach who could have scaled that a lot faster. So education is huge and having that accountability is another one. Do you have any challenges being youthful and younger than probably most people around in, in their REI world? Um, I don't think, you know, some people get a little self-conscious around that being, you know, if you were 21, 22, kind of starting out in this, you're usually one of the youngest guys in the room around most circles. So any challenges around that or did that, did that matter to you or, or if it didn't, didn't hinder you at all, kind of how, how did that work? Because a lot of people think, you know, think they're way too young to be doing this stuff. Yeah, no, I did feel that like buying my very first property and then living upstairs and renting out the basement. I remember just like putting the ad up and then doing the showings and having a lot of people come through the property that were a lot older than me. And then like kind of asking you, like, is this your parents' house? Um, do you own this? Are you an agent? Things like that. I'm like, no, no. And I was a first time investor and first time landlord. So, I mean, my systems were not that great. So I probably did, did come off as an inexperienced landlord. And I was, so, I mean, it was kind of strange, but I mean, like the demand was there. I knew what I had to do. And I just kind of went through the process as myself, but I mean, it was like a, I guess a mental constraint for a little bit, just on my first property, I think, cause I went through a couple of tenants just in my first one. And then I didn't really let that age thing bother me too, uh, too much. However, like I kind of touched on earlier was the mortgage business is trying to start the mortgage business at age 24. That's where I felt a lot more pushback was knocking on people's doors and saying, can I help you with like refinancing or buying, selling stuff like that. And I just didn't really get very good response at that age. Mm -hmm. So there was an element of it for sure being you know, 22 starting my portfolio. What about uh, partners or people that are, 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 you know, partnering up with you to uh, do these projects any any uh pushback from them in that way no not now like i'm in my 30s now i'm an old guy yeah but, uh, <laughs> but um no i wasn't doing the partner thing like in the in the beginning my first right program was with my brother and then uh, it was just maybe only three years ago when i started doing these jv deals and and you know the age thing or experience thing was never an issue i think you know that your confidence just builds as you gain more experience and knowledge in the industry and people don't even worry about that type of thing you know i think it's all about track record really like you, it doesn't matter if somebody's 50 years old if they've never renovated a house or never refinanced a house or, or let up a project uh then you know it doesn't matter how old they are someone that's 22 23 that's been through it a couple times has a lot more experience than that 50 year old so yeah, that's yeah. a good point. If you can show some results and even like break down a couple of deals that you've done and this is this is how you would get your capital back. This is the time frame. This is a breakdown of the property and how it operates, income and expenses. They're going to be like, wow, OK, you know yourself. Um, those barriers don't exist anymore. Where can I invest? How can I invest? Yeah, so, I mean, you do have the, a nice claim to fame, Millionaire by 30, which is a great, great thing. I know a million, millionaire can mean a lot of different things for different people, I suppose, in, in terms of how you calculate that i guess but how, how do you how, how did you do that in it seems like a short time being able to do that by, by 30 you know someone's out there kind of listening and they were in their 20s maybe and they're kind of thinking wow that that would be 
freaking cool if I could say that too. Is there a play? Is there a, a, a suggestion on how they should go about that, or or maybe just how you went about that and how the how that math added up? I mean, we started. You started with it sounded like five percent down. Um, that's I'm assuming that's probably all the cash you had, or mostly cash you had in in life. And so starting out with that and going to a million bucks in you know pretty short period there. Any tips or strategies that that you use or that you could recommend for someone else looking to do similar? Yeah, at the beginning there at age 22, my net worth would have been like 30 grand um, to, yeah. to get started in that in that 5% down scenario. But that 5% down was, uh, you know, 260K property. So $13,000 down payment and closing costs uh, took like most of what I had. But I guess the key elements to allow me to grow to that seven figure mark in eight years was the commitment to the game and to continue growing, to continue learning. I read a ton of books. I was just committed to growing. I, I put a lot of focus and emphasis on wealth. And another key element was living below my means. Like I did not fall into the trap of like the material game and like driving the expensive cars and going on the, the luxury vacations. I think that's a super common thing these days is to kind of compare yourself with others and to get into the spending habits and um, yeah, I think it's a trap. And I just, I, I stayed committed to keeping my expenses low. Like I said, I did the house hacking strategy three times and there's big benefits to doing that. Um, one of course is like keeping your expenses low and allowing you to save and invest more cash. Um, secondly, you get the experience as a, as a real estate investor firsthand. You don't have to drive anywhere. You're managing that property that you also live in. So you get the experience. And then also on the lending side, like if you have that extra source of income from your house, it's going to allow you to leverage and gain another mortgage on the next property easier and faster. So just using that multiple times, getting creative. Um, I even did like Airbnb on the property that I was living in. So I would rent out the basement and do Airbnb. I was living in when I wasn't there just for additional income streams. And um, I guess following semi committed to that like fire style of just keeping your expenses really low. I wasn't ultimately like super, super frugal, but I mean, I didn't buy nice cars until just several years ago. I would just drive what I needed and um, keep the, the expenses low and focus on, on building my portfolio. And, you know, now coaching people going through that same sort of process, I think people can do it a lot faster than I did. I mean, I had that three-year standstill where I wasn't buying more investment properties because I had no claimed income. So if you wipe that away, and you can do it with a job. Like, I didn't have some business that I grew and got lucky and sold it out for a high premium. It was just like regular T4 income, investing the rest, building the portfolio, leveraging it by refinancing, buying more property. I mean, I'm into, like, stocks and options as well. So having a couple of, of, of good gains there and just kind of rolling the profits and not spending it until you reach a point where I think you're more comfortable. Well, the amazing thing with the 5% down to start too, is you're going to get appreciation on if you held those or some of those or one of them, at least even you're going to get appreciation on the hundred percent of it. <laughs> you only put in 5%, yeah, right? 20 so, to one leverage. That's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another point is like starting early, right? Like, I started before I knew a whole lot about the game. Like I would take the knowledge from the books and the educational resources, but 
I didn't wait too long to take action. I had enough money to do the 5% down and it was like, okay, it's time to get started Buy the first one and then just learn from there and, and expand where I know it's common for people to, to hesitate a little bit too much. And they might wait a couple of years and in a bull market like this, those years are expensive. That's true. And how did you know that it was time to get started? Was there something that told you that it was just time I've learned enough? Maybe I don't know everything, but I've learned enough and it's time to go. I think what really motivated me was the fact that I wasn't happy with the job that I had. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with the guidance of being an investor or an entrepreneur by any means. Mm -hmm. It was like you work for money, you trade your time for money. I got into a job that paid a decent amount, but it like there was no there was no balance of happiness and the other areas of my life. And then just like, yeah, coming across that Kiyosaki book and all the ones that followed that shifted my mindset completely. And by changing my mindset, I was like, okay, how can I do this? And those books really push real estate. And so I was like, okay, real estate's got to be at least one of the streams of income for me to, re to achieve financial freedom. And then I just started researching and researching, understanding the power of leverage. And once I had enough capital and I was just like, okay, I mean, I think I'm ready to do this. I mean, I had some education, but I was willing to just jump in and take the risk. Like what's the downside here? Most people, will buy their first property when they can and just live in it. I'm taking less risk by buying a property and renting a portion of it out. So I was ready to jump in, willing to make some mistakes. I did. I didn't know much about like managing tenants or doing repairs and things like that, but it all comes with experience. You learn so much faster by doing it as opposed to reading it or hearing about other people doing it. Yeah, you really yeah. do. I think one of the big things though that people do get stuck on is just, not knowing when it's time, like saying, I'm going to wait to try and figure it out or see what happens in the market and all those kind of things. And I think that that is one of the biggest things that hinder people from the success that real estate can provide for people is just, well, I'm ready to go, but I want to wait and see what happens for a little bit. <clears throat> and truth is you're never going to know what happens. Like when, when, when do you, when do you say, okay, I've seen what happens. So, I think I liked your point there. It was just that, okay, you know, I have learned a little bit, but I do actually have the cash. I do actually qualify for the mortgage. So there's technically nothing um, on the, on the like tangible side that, that you can't do. It's all on the mindset that would hold people back from that point. Yeah, that's a good point, Rob. Um, it is a common situation for people to be in because there's a lot of educational resources out there and people are pretty educated and, you know, they're, they're kind of like, quote unquote, ready, but still hesitant. So I don't think there's like a magic time for when to do that or what you're supposed to do. But it, but it could be like that missing element might be like accountability or someone to give you that push. And, you know, that's what I've noticed with some of my clients who are like, they've been ready. And once we start working together and we start like analyzing properties and making it realistic for them and their situation and like, okay, it's time to start looking and putting offers in and actually making this real. And it's like, wow, okay, that was probably the step or the missing element that I needed to actually take action was to have somebody on my team that has done this before and can give me that green light that this is the time to do it because sometimes we just kind of hold ourselves back or create excuses or like that whole wait and see thing common. And to your point, it is a lot less risky to buy a house with a portion of it to rent out and live in the other half is way less risky than just buying a house for yourself to live in. 
Yeah. A lot of people don't look at it that way though. That's it's true. just, yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about your coaching a little bit. Uh, how, do, how does that work? Like, how are you helping people out? So I start with like initial consultations with people and uh, I get on the phone a lot just to kind of talk and understand people's situations and the common problems, see a lot of patterns. Um, we've spoken about a few of them there, but most people come to me for the real estate knowledge. They see kind of the content that I'm posting and the results and the breakdowns that I do. So they come to either start or expand their real estate portfolio. And that's kind of the main goal that we want to focus on. But I mean, I have a lot of experience on the personal finance side and even like the stocks and portfolio side. I worked as I worked as a financial advisor for a while as well. And so I kind of tie in those personal finance elements with the real estate side and say they might come to buy a couple of real estate properties or multifamily. But once we take a deeper dive into their current situation and lay it out all onto the table, what their income is and, you know, kind of understand their cash flow, their availability to credit borrowing power, then I might see some opportunities to optimize the situation before we even get into real estate. So, I mean, I tie all of the elements into it all of the personal finance things, and then focus on the goals. We'll also kind of really get a clearer vision on what it is that they want lifestyle-wise five to 10 years from now, as opposed to just focusing on like getting a property. It's like, why do you want the property? What is the longer term goal? And let's try and re reverse engineer that and, and break it down into steps for what you need to be doing today to get you to that lifestyle and not fall into the trap of just more and more and more. So um, I guess like, the way that I do it is start by understanding their current situation on a deeper level, understanding their vision and their goals on a deeper level, and then just trying to bridge the gap so that they can get there in a lot faster time than doing it all on their own. Makes sense. Does, do you find people uh, have like a, a clear outlook on what their goals are or, or their vision, or, or is that something that maybe some people need some help with too? Just, I find, I, I notice some people want nice looking things and nice vacations. They don't, it's not like, it's hard to really pinpoint exactly what they're after sometimes. It's not specific. Uh, I want to be warm and I want to, and I want to, you know, have some bling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a big topic to focus on. And there is a lot of disparity between different people and what their goals and vision really is. Um, a lot of people might see real estate as a good way to make money and build wealth. But when we start talking about the why and what it is that you're trying to build, it's kind of a different conversation. And sometimes people don't really know. But I like to have a few conversations on that to really nail it down, because it's also going to build excitement when you can start visualizing what the what kind of lifestyle this is going to build for you. I feel you're going to be a lot more driven, driven to make this happen, because like in real estate, you guys know it's ups and downs. You're going to have your problems. You're going to have your issues. Uh, it can be stressful at times. But when you really know what it is that you want, what you're going to get in the future, and that's delayed gratification, it's going to be a lot easier to kind of put the pieces together now to go through those ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. Is that so? When you work with people, is it um, is it uh, is it usually for a long, like is it for a month? Is it for a year? Is it for ten years? What, what's the programs like? Typically, I work with people for six to 12 months. Uh, some people stay on longer. I don't even do a term contract. We go as long as needed rather than committing up front or how long it's going to be. Everybody's situation is different. Everyone has a different starting point, different ending point. So we go as long as needed. And we just hop on calls bi-weekly to just 
discuss strategy, to discuss goals and to keep them accountable, kind of nail down the things that you should be focusing on, follow up from the calls before and just like stay focused on all of these wealth building strategies. And I find it's effective because without that, it's easy to be distracted by everything else. It's easy to be influenced by the people in our immediate circle. So you just want to be constantly having these conversations, taking you to a higher level of thinking, to a higher level of your wealth and to introduce like new ideas. I mean, I kind of break the whole coaching program or relationship down into three pillars, one being education and kind of enlightening them on some new ideas that may not have even crossed their mind yet. And the second pillar would be strategy. And that's putting those ideas into practice and making that actually work and build wealth. And then the third part is holding them accountable and actually making them um, take action on these strategies and the ideas to, to put it into fruition. So just so people can get an idea maybe of, of how the lifestyle goals look, let's talk a little bit about yours. Like what, what kind of lifestyle goals do you have? Yeah, the reason for me uh, to get into real estate investing was always to just build the life of freedom. Like it was always freedom based. It was to have my time back, to do what I wanted, to not necessarily answer to anybody, to be able to travel, live anywhere in the world. I wanted to kind of operate businesses from my phone and my laptop. I don't have the vision of just kind of laying on a beach and retiring early, doing nothing, just because knowing my mindset and experience, I do enjoy the game. Like I love, um, you know, growing businesses, growing the portfolio. I like managing investments. I like staying in tune with the market. I like helping people, coaching people, being on the phone, building my network and other businesses, still learning, still reading, still expanding my knowledge, uh, big into fitness. I like to grow, um, you know, on a physical level, a mental level, emotional level, all those things. I want to have a balanced life in all those key areas, not just wealth, but that said, I'm a believer that you need to grind it out for like five to 10 years, sometimes less to get that money part of it solved. And once the money part of it is solved, you can now allocate your time to the other areas that are more important than money. Money is just like stored value. But once you kind of understand the game and automate it, you can have income coming in without, without your efforts anymore. And that's like the best part or like the best stage of money to reach is not having to worry about money anymore. But that said, most people who reach that still continue to get wealthier and wealthier because they're already addicted to the game. They found new skills, new passions, new hobbies, and they monetize them. And that's kind of what I wanted to do was to be able to travel the world and have amazing experiences while still helping people, still growing my business, still growing my portfolio, staying in tune with the market, staying physically fit, active, you know, a lot of sunshine, escape the Canadian winters. That was always a big motivator for me. That's the type of lifestyle that I always wanted. And it's amazing to be able to achieve that at a young age, as opposed to waiting until like 65, where you may not have the energy anymore, or you may not have the good health anymore. You want to have all of those areas of life maximized and be balanced. But I think to get to that balance stage, you kind of have to put a little more emphasis on the money, wealth, career, investing side, just to get you in a more comfortable position overall. Well, I like what you said about working, like grinding it out at first too, because a lot of people, as easy as it is actually to just go out and get your first rental property, at a certain point, like, that's probably going to be the easiest one you buy. Um, 
but and so you know that being said that can that just that one property can create such wealth but like in order to get there in order to have the capital to pull the trigger that first time it's very important to grind it out like people people just think if they're going to start investing with real estate they it's sort of like this magic key and they're waiting to hear that that little bit of information that's gonna like that's gonna i don't know somehow open up a door that no one else has access to and that's just not the case you got to work hard at first right absolutely yeah it is a grind and it it stays a grind for several years like i mean even in the early the early years and now there's sacrifices that we make and you know you might compare to people in your close circle who just kind of work a nine to five and when you hang out on weekends they don't take their job home with them their job is completely out of their mind they're fully present on like spending time with you and enjoying it and you're kind of envious of that for a bit you're like wow that would be nice because i've got two texts right now with a leaking roof and a poor foundation and i've got angry tenants who aren't paying and this is how i'm spending my saturday afternoon and i can't focus on what we're trying to do here because i've got these underlying issues in the back of my mind and that's kind of the grind it out type of mindset that i'm referring to here is making some sacrifices but having that longer term vision makes it pretty easy like you know what you you're gonna get in the future it's not that bad these are good problems to have i mean this is building wealth for you and i think you're gonna get paid for the problems that you solve so you have more problems like that and your phone's going off and you have management teams in place you're solving bigger problems you're going to get paid for those problems and it's going to be worth it in the end that's kind of the philosophy that i've had on the longer term vision yeah that's just it when i hear people talk about tenants and toilets issue i'm like you know if you can't put up with a little bit of adversity to get you know some long-term wealth like you're talking about then yeah like you, you may as well not start continue problem, just right? stay at your job the bigger problems, the bigger you get paid. So if you can't handle the small ones, good luck handling big ones and good luck. You, you, the money part's not going to show up unless you're handling big problems. That's, that's, I think, a science. Yeah, but I'm sure you guys have heard this so many times. Like when you're going through a really bad tenant issue or you're going to court or they're just not paying, they're trashing your house. I've had those problems. And then, you know, people who are not in real estate, they're like, that's why I don't do it. You know, they're like, I don't do it because of those problems. I don't want to be fixing those toilets or I don't want to be dealing with tenants or I don't want to be taking phone calls. And they're like, that's why I don't do it. But on the flip side, like that regular lifestyle might involve working for four decades, trading 40 hours per week, just so you don't have to avoid the, just so you don't have to have those tenant issues. I mean, which problem would you rather have? I'm like, I can't commit to 40 40 years of 40 hours per week and not having that freedom, that schedule, having to like ask for time off. No, I'm willing to take, I'm willing to take those phone calls. And I mean, even on the property management topic, having those calls and stuff, if you have a good network, a good team in place, those problems can be solved pretty quickly. And what I've learned kind of going through this for many years is just attack them right away. The tenant comes with you at you with a problem. You're tempted to just like put it away for the day. I'll deal with it tomorrow later. Like if you just like have a system for calling your repair or contractor and like just dealing with that problem right away, you're going to get it out of your hair. The tenant's going to be really happy. And then you're just going to be a more successful real estate investor and not push it off till later. Just kind of attack these problems head on. Yeah, that's most things in life, really, right? If the problem shows up, anytime you kind of 
procrastinate on them, it typically just builds and becomes worse. Uh, that's usually the same for, for a house problem or a tenant problem. It's very similar, right? Yeah. Um, it stresses you out in the meantime, too. Like, let's talk about um, let's talk about Airbnbs quickly because we that's how kind of how we connected actually it was uh, how staying one year Airbnbs. This must have been twenty eighteen or nineteen. I want to say eighteen maybe. Yeah, eighteen. Um, do you still have that property, or do you still you're still doing Airbnbs at all? Uh, so I still have that property. That's going to be the next one on the list to unload, just because I originally brought bought that property to live in. It has a basement apartment, and I was living in the upper unit, which is a nice renovated unit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> and um, after I moved out of it, I turned it into an Airbnb because there's huge demand there in that area of St. Catharines being really close to Niagara Falls, uh, Niagara on the Lake, popular spot for like wine tours, and it can host like eight people. So it was really popular in Airbnb. The income was fantastic. It was going really well until COVID hit. And then once COVID hit, March 2020, all of the future bookings just started dropping off. Everybody canceled, of course. So I was forced to make a decision there and I just made it into a longer term rental. So I just kind of turned it into a standard duplex. But because it's a higher end home, uh, the cash flow is not going to be great on a, a duplex like that. But I did get fortunate by having a good tenant who is uh, a corporation that's putting their, their employees there. They're putting four of their employees there. Um, they kind of do work across Canada and they need temporary uh, places to stay. So as opposed to putting them in four hotel rooms, it's cheaper and more efficient to put them in a house where they have a kitchen, they can cook and live a regular life. So they paid higher than market rent for that. And I rented it fully furnished. It was, I still had all my stuff there from the Airbnb. So I tried to rent it out fully furnished first and I got this tenant and they've been there um, for almost a year now. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been optimized and it was a good pivot when COVID hit. But now as that lease is coming to an end at the end of this month, now I'm going to unload that property. Um, it, it serves better as like a primary residence potential with the basement income to keep your expenses low. And then I'll just kind of roll that profit into like a larger deal, potentially a commercial deal or whatever, whatever opportunities come up. Cool. Rob, we haven't we haven't talked a lot about that with the guests around Airbnb during COVID. I don't know if we've touched on that too much, but that, that would have been a maybe we need to bring on someone like that. And really someone who has got a big Airbnb portfolio and see what see what what their experience was like. Yeah, well, I would tough, imagine there's definitely that quite. Yeah, and I would imagine most of them have a similar story to that, like a little bit of a pivot maybe through that time. Yeah, but it would be but, devastating uh, it, for someone who just focuses on the Airbnb strategy and has a portfolio of like 20 condos, a big team in place, and all of a sudden it just shuts down quickly mm -hmm. like that. I was only running the one property, so it was very easy for me to make a pivot, but someone who does that full time. I noticed a shift in um, like, uh, uh, for example, we were looking uh, at a bigger vacation property over last summer and... Um, and I was looking at the ads that they had out for this. It was on Airbnb as well. And they had shifted the wording to, you know, bring your 10, bring the 10 people in your bubble. Come stay. It was like that, that, that became a popular term last summer, your bubble, you know, and people, people thought it was, people were very accepting of their bubble and bringing them along. So that seemed to be a little bit of a shift anyway in the wording uh, that they were using then too. Yeah, on the topic of Airbnb, though, I think we're just on the brink of that that whole space really ramping up. Like people are itching 
to spend money again as the economy opens up and they just want to get out. They want to get away, see their friends again. So the people that are in the Airbnb space or on the on the, the cusp of doing so, I think can profit really, really well if they're situated in the right areas. I agree. Come uh, Starting now, basically. Starting um, right now. Yeah. It's, depending where you're at and, and location-wise. Um, in Ontario, for sure, starting now, you know, they're going to have a big... I agree. There could be a, a run of, of you know, uh, six months a year of, of the the opposite yeah. of last year, right? Probably prices getting pushed up. Absolutely. <clears throat> what are your plans for the future? What, what have you got coming up that, uh, that you're working on? Um, I mean, larger multifamily deals. Um, I'm looking to get deeper into the development space. I have an opportunity with some, some really, really big developers and corporations that are doing some interesting projects in the Ontario resort space. So I'm looking to dive into that, um, one for the obvious benefit of the financial return, but also to build my network and learn from these developers to potentially get into that space myself. Um, the, the larger game plan is to bring other people into the deals and raise money from investors and kind of manage a portfolio for them and, and build capital for other people and um, expand like the coaching, mentoring, education business. And I wanna focus more on the people who are just beginning. Uh, at this stage, like my my one-on-one -on -one coaching is more people who are at an intermediate level. They have cash to invest. It's like optimizing and scaling their portfolio. But I think there's a much bigger need for the people who are just starting out that aren't really financially set yet, and they need some guidance and direction. So, I mean, my, my lo longer-term vision for that business is to really focus on the people who are just starting, um, getting their first property, or even like changing their mindset on money and investing and personal finance and, and giving them that sort of guidance to build their dreams and live the lifestyle that they want. I think it's not that complicated or that hard, but it requires some education and some discipline. And I think there's a big opportunity because, I mean, it's getting harder to get started these days for the younger generation and like buying their first home and things like that, just as one example. Interest rates are very low, that's great, but prices are super high. It's tough to get qualified. A lot of people are in that position where they're kind of stuck in their job. Um, they don't know what to do. They understand that that's not the life that they want to live, but they just don't know what the next step is. So I think targeting that group and helping them take the next step, which can really launch their investing and, and financial career going forward, as long as they start early and stay committed to it. I mean, that's one of my big goals is to focus on that. And of course, like scale my own portfolio, keep doing what I'm doing. But with that balance in mind of not becoming fully invested time-wise in my portfolio. So I'm trying to automate a lot of my income by having a strong team in place, managing the multifamily and also getting into the development, which is a little bit more turnkey as an investor. But as I'm, if I'm going to be a developer myself, that's going to be more of an active income. But I think it's going to be a passion project as opposed to um, some other types of investments. And um, I'm pretty big into the stocks and options game. That's something I'm super passionate about. I have a lot of fun doing that. Can do it from anywhere in the world on my phone. Another source of income from options, premiums and dividends. Super cool. That's a good longer term strategy, but I think you need a pretty good sum of money to be making that like a good source of income. So I, I think that like real estate should come first and then diversify into like the stocks and options afterwards. That's just like my personal preference on that. 
Cool. Yeah, you can build you can build so much wealth in real estate. <laughs> I think stocks, options, and that you can you can build some good cash flow. Yeah. But you're not going to build the big chunks of wealth necessarily, unless you're making higher risk plays. Exactly. Like I think real estate is a good balance of, of pretty low risk, but huge, huge potential for returns on like the capital gain side and being able to refinance tax free. Like it's super tax efficient. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, if you buy Tesla stock and sell it at three X, I mean, you're just paying pure capital gains on that. There's no tax deductions. There's not, not a lot of leveraging opportunities. You can borrow against your stocks, but real estate so much easier. You're not going to get margin called really low HELOC rates, refinance rates, and just keep leveraging. I mean, it's amazing, but I love to like build a portfolio of several real estate projects, a nice stock portfolio, dividend portfolio. You've got options, you've got cryptocurrency. And then as, as new investment opportunities come up, you're looking at your portfolio and it's like, where can I draw money from? And you've got all of these options, all of these ATMs sort of tack in, tap into and, and to get the capital to just like jump on these new opportunities. And I don't like saying no to new opportunities, but you got to have these systems in place to be able to pull capital from and just like always have it optimized. And then like, I mean, the credit side is a, is a total different ballgame and having credit available to, to jump on opportunities as well. Well, let's, let's, let's leave everybody with a little bit of a tip here. So what is one piece of advice or information or saying or something like that, that you, that's always stuck with you and how has it helped you along the way? Um, that's funny because the one that comes to mind comes from my dad. And like I said, don't con- he doesn't come from a financial background or investing background or entrepreneurial or business background, but it was a piece of financial advice that stuck with me. And, uh, it came on the topic we were talking about taxes. And I was like in my early twenties working a job that I didn't like. And I remember hearing from some of my coworkers about tax brackets. You don't want to, you don't want to cross that tax bracket because you're going to end up paying more and all that kind of stuff. And I was really trying to understand that. I remember having a conversation with my dad and he, he told me how the tax brackets actually worked. And it's funny, I actually ran a poll on Instagram and, and kind of put a scenario based question recently. And a lot of people were under the misconception that I was as well. And I, the example I used was something like, say the tax bracket is at $100,000 and employee A makes $99,000 gross and employee B makes $101,000 gross, which employee has a higher net income. And most people answered that wrong, right? The tax bracket, like I said, is at hundred K and most people would say that employee A has the higher net income because they don't cross that tax bracket. But the way that the tax bracket works, is your only employee B is only paying that higher rate from 100,000 to 101. So they're only paying the higher rate on the 1K. So employee B has the higher net income. And the piece of, and when my dad explained that to me, it was like a light bulb moment. Like, wow, yeah, that makes sense. Otherwise, everyone would try and stay under these tax brackets for obvious reasons to not pay more. And what he said to me was like, I guess the ending quote, he's like, yeah, don't be afraid of making too much money. Like for, for, for a reason like taxes. And I was like, wow, that was, that really stuck with me. And then like, holy crap, like a lot of people still didn't understand that. And then I, I was just like, yeah, okay. I mean, you, you got to pay your fair share of taxes and there's many ways to optimize your tax bill. There's no, there's no reason to leave a tip. Right. So, I mean, just kind of using that knowledge and uh, kind of, I guess, expanding on it and finding tax advantaged vehicles like real estate. That's kind of where I took that that quote or that that piece of 
financial advice. Don't be afraid of making too much money. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And it is, it is a, it is a strange mentality because I remember being, being around a bunch of coworkers thinking the same thing, right? You know, make sure you figure out how much overtime you can do make sure that you, you know, just walk that fine line and don't make too much money. Yeah. Absolutely. I've heard that in, in real realtors think that all the time too. They're going to make too much money and they're going to have to pay too much tax. But the, the weak excuse, it's, 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 a, a, it's a limiting excuse. belief. Why is that like, there? Yeah. So, so you're saying Sandy that someone's like, well, if I do one more deal, it's going to push me over. So yeah, I better just chill the on the beach. They really? All the time. Because my time. mentality would be, well, I'll, I'll try and push for 10 more then. They don't get they don't they don't get exactly what you just shared, which is it's not on the whole amount. It's just that yeah. extra amount over, right? It's amazing how many people don't understand that. Yeah, yeah. It was more than fifty percent of the people answered that that incorrectly, and and I mean it's just partly because like where where do you learn that? Where does the common person learn how tax bracket works or how the tax system works and, and deductions and employees versus self-employed or corporations? Like there's major major loopholes like legal loopholes and advantages in the tax system and understanding why employees are taxed so hard versus self-employed in, in corporations it starts to make sense i mean you're either creating a job or you're taking a job and when you take a job the government gets a bigger piece of the income the government wants you to create jobs yeah there's a lot of like there's a big gap in the general education around that i think you got to be self-taught for the most part um exactly yeah you, know, you might be able to get a bit of that in a in a in a, in a certain degree or something at a, at a school but even then yeah. it's, it's not it's not necessarily geared towards definitely not geared towards like running your own businesses and things like that yeah, at least well, not i was very gonna often. say you know let's be honest there's really no reason why they should be teaching that in school come on <laughs> we don't need to, that's not important True. um hey listen how can people like interested in your coaching uh, course get in touch? Instagram is the best way. That's where um, I put the bulk of my time on social media and you can just either reach out with a DM or just kind of click the link uh, for like a consultation and we can discuss further. But I, uh, I recommend just kind of shooting me a message telling me that, uh, you know, they watched this, they watched this show, this episode and uh, wanted to learn more about either the coaching or maybe get pre-approved for a mortgage. And we can certainly talk more. Right on. Awesome. awesome. I'm sure there'll be people reaching out to you. So, um, Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, same as always, 289-389-6846 or Sandy at McKayRealtyNetwork.com. And people can reach me at Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. You know, I really appreciate everything you shared today. I think that there was a lot of golden nuggets and that's what we look for nowadays, right? You know, there's, there's not a lot of new information, but I think we got some today. So I really appreciate you coming on. That's big. I appreciate that, that guys. That's uh, I mean, you guys got a lot of episodes under your belt. So if there was something unique or new about this, then that's a huge win. So, I mean, I always love having these conversations regardless, but hopefully other people yeah. benefit from them. That's the purpose. Well, again, we appreciate it. And everybody uh, listening and watching, we'll see you next time. All right, gentlemen, take care.